0: Episode 15. The fabulous statistics continued to pour out of the telescreen. As compared with last year, there was more food, more clothes, more houses, more furniture, more cooking pots, more fuel, more ships, more helicopters, more books, more babies, more of everything except disease, crime, and insanity. Year by year and minute by minute, everybody and everything was whizzing rapidly upwards. As Sim had done earlier, Winston had taken up his spoon and was dabbling in the pale colored gravy that dribbled across the table, drawing a long streak of it out into a pattern. He meditated resentfully on the physical texture of life. Had it always been like this? Had food always tasted like this? He looked round the canteen. A low-ceilinged, crowded room, its walls grimy from the contact of innumerable bodies, battered metal tables and chairs, placed so close together that you sat with elbows touching. Bent spoons, dented trays, coarse white mugs, all surfaces greasy, grime in every crack and a sourish composite smell of bad gin and bad coffee and metallic stew and dirty clothes always in your stomach and in your skin there was a, a sort of protest a feeling that you had been cheated of something that you had a right to it was true that he had no memories of anything greatly different In any time that he could accurately remember, there had never been quite enough to eat. One had never had socks or underclothes that were not full of holes. Furniture had always been battered and rickety. Rooms, underheated. Tube trains, crowded. Houses, falling to pieces. Bread, dark colored. Tea, a rarity. Coffee, filthy tasting. Cigarettes, insufficient nothing cheap and plentiful except synthetic gin. And though, of course, it grew worse as one's body aged, was it not a sign that this was not the natural order of things? If one's heart sickened at the discomfort and dirt and scarcity, the interminable winters, the Stickiness of one's socks, the lifts that never worked, the cold water, the gritty soap, the cigarettes that came to pieces, the food with its strange, evil tastes. Why should one feel it to be intolerable, unless one had some kind of ancestral memory that things had once been different? He looked round the canteen again. Nearly everyone was ugly, and would still have been ugly, even if dressed otherwise than in the uniform blue overalls. On the far side of the room, sitting at a table alone, a small, curiously beetle-like man was drinking a cup of coffee, his little eyes darting suspicious glances from side to side. How easy it was, thought Winston, if you did not look about you, to believe that the physical type set up by the party as an ideal, tall, muscular youths and deep-bosom maidens, blonde-haired, vital, sunburnt, carefree, existed, and even predominated. Actually, so far as he could judge, the majority of people in Airstrip One were small, dark, and ill-favored. It was curious how that beetle-like type proliferated in the ministries. Little dumpy men growing stout very early in life, with short legs, swift scuttling movements, and fat inscrutable faces with very small eyes. It was the type that seemed to flourish best under the domination of the party. The announcement from the Ministry of Plenty ended on another trumpet call and gave way to tinny music. Parsons, stirred to vague enthusiasm by the bombardment of figures, took his pipe out of his mouth. The Ministry of Plenty certainly done a good job this year, he said with a knowing shake of his head. By the way, Smith, old boy, I suppose you haven't got any razor blades you could let me have? not one said winston i've been using the same blade for six weeks myself "Ah, well just thought i'd ask you old boy sorry said winston the quacking voice from the next table temporarily silenced during the ministry's announcement had started up again as loud as ever for some reason winston suddenly found himself thinking of mrs parsons with her wispy hair and the dust in the creases of her face. Within two years, those children would be denouncing her to the thought police. Mrs. Parsons would be vaporized. Sin would be vaporized. Winston would be vaporized. O'Brien would be vaporized. Parsons, on the other hand, would never be vaporized. The eyeless creature with the quacking voice would never be vaporized the little beetle-like men who scuttle so nimbly through the labyrinthine corridors of ministries, they too would never be vaporized. And the girl with dark hair, the girl from the fiction department, she would never be vaporized either. It seemed to him that he knew instinctively who would survive and who would perish, though just what it was that made for survival It was not easy to say. At this moment, he was dragged out of his reverie with a violent jerk. The girl at the next table had turned partly round and was looking at him. It was the girl with dark hair. She was looking at him in a sidelong way, but with curious intensity. The instant she caught his eye, she looked away again. The sweat started out on Winston's backbone. A horrible pang of terror went through him. It was gone almost at once, but it left a sort of nagging uneasiness behind. Why was she watching him? Why did she keep following him about? Unfortunately, he could not remember whether she had already been at the table when he arrived or had come there afterwards. But yesterday, at any rate, during the two minutes' hate, she had sat immediately behind him when there was no apparent need to do so. Quite likely, her real object had been to listen to him and make sure whether he was shouting loudly enough. His earlier thought returned to him. Probably, she was not actually a member of the thought police, but then it was precisely the amateur spy who was the greatest danger of all. He did not know how long she had been looking at him, but perhaps for as much as five minutes and it was possible that his features had not been perfectly under control. It was terribly dangerous to let your thoughts wander when you were in any public place or within range of a telescreen. The smallest thing could give you away. A nervous tick, an unconscious look of anxiety, a habit of muttering to yourself. Anything that carried with it the suggestion of abnormality or of having something to hide in any case, to wear an improper expression on your face, to look incredulous when a victory was announced, for example, was itself a punishable offense. There was even a word for it in Newspeak, face crime, it was called. The girl had turned her back on him again. Perhaps, after all, she was not really following him about. Perhaps it was coincidence that she had sat so close to him two days running. His cigarette had gone out, and he laid it carefully on the edge of the table. He would finish smoking it after work, if he could keep the tobacco in it, Quite likely, the person at the next table was a spy of the thought police, and quite likely, he would be in the cellars of the Ministry of Love within three days. But a cigarette end must not be wasted. Sim had folded up his strip of paper and stowed it away in his pocket. Parsons had begun talking again. Did I ever tell you, old boy? he said, chuckling round the stem of his pipe, about the time when those two nippers of mine set fire to the old market woman's skirt because they saw her wrapping up sausages in a poster of BB. Sneaked up behind her and set fire to it with a box of matches. Burned her quite badly, I believe. Little beggars, eh? But keen as mustard. That's a first-rate training they give them in the spies nowadays. Better than in my day, even. What do you think's the latest thing they serve them out with? Ear trumpets for listening through keels. My little girl brought one home the other night. Tried it out in our sitting room door and reckoned she could hear twice as much as with her ear to the hole. Of course, it's only a toy, mind you. Still, gives them the right idea, eh? At this moment, the telescreen let out a piercing whistle. It was the signal to return to work. All three men sprang to their feet to join in the struggle round the lifts, and the remaining tobacco fell out of Winston's cigarette. End of chapter five.